Now look at somebody, tell somebody it just gets better and better and better and better. Amen. And so we're so excited about that. We're going to be praying for this. And I just want to, listen, before you get comfortable, let's just give Jessica a great big hand clap. Yeah, Jessica worked very hard to make, she doesn't like any attention. That's why I want to give her a shout out, right? Uh, you guys have no idea uh, how hard she worked to put this together. You just have no clue. You just look at, oh, that was nice. You just have no idea, no idea. Uh, she worked very, very, very hard, and I'm so thankful that God has allowed her to be a part of RCC. Amen? So let's give her one more big hand clap. Thank God for Jess. I'm so glad that, she, that God sent her our, our way. Amen? And she's been a blessing since day one. So uh, her and Q were roommates, and Q was our first member at RCC. And then Q brought in Jess. So I was like, Q, you got some good fruit you're bringing in, right? Got some good fruit you're bringing in, so... Q was here back from day one, and we're so glad uh, that, that God sent them here with us, and um, they, they're hard workers, so we're so thankful. Listen, I'm excited to jump into this uh, first uh, of seven, 50 days of transformation. Now, Pastor Rick Church's also book, and I'm going to jump right into this, but it's so important that, uh, that you take this journey, right? And I always use the analogy that if you go to the doctor's office, and the doctor gives you, say, doctor, my throat is, is sore. Susie uh, is up for us. She knows... Uh, this stuff. Uh, my, my throat is sore, and they give you some penicillin, and you take two of them, you start feeling better, and you stop. And the doctor tells you before you leave the office, make sure you take the whole thing, right? Because we're not just dealing with the symptoms, we want to get with the cause, right? And so when we talk about transformed, we want to not deal just with the symptoms, we want to deal with the cause. Amen. So this is 50 days of transformation. So every single day for the next 50 days, there's a devotion in here. Uh, and as Pastor Rick said, if once you get you signed up with uh, a cell group that's within the air, we have one in Philly, we have one in Jersey, so that you can uh, maximize everything that God wants to do. By the end of these 50 days, we're believing God for some awesome testimonies. Amen? We're believing God for some awesome testimonies. That means if you were sick at day one, by the time we get through the day 50, you're going to be healed. Amen? If you were frustrated and full of anxiety and fear and doubt and unbelief, by the time we get to day 50, you're going to be what? Transformed. Come on. Transformed. Amen. And so we're believing God for your families to be saved during these 50 days. Amen. And listen, we prayed and we fasted leading up to today. But guess what? We're going to be praying and fasting throughout the 50 days. Believe in God for you and your families and for those college students who put their goals on. We're going to be praying for that a little bit later. But I want to jump into this real quickly, and I hope you brought your Bibles today. I'm not going to be long before you, but I do want to uh, kick off this first uh, 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 order of transformation and uh, how God transforms us. And pretty much for the remaining of the weeks, we're going to be focusing on this, this awesome scripture in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. And this is going to be the theme for the, for the entire series. And it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I love that scripture. This is out of the NIV. But be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Somebody say that. Renewing of your mind. Then you will be able, only then, once your mind is renewed, then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. So you cannot identify the will of God with an unrenewed mind. 
You cannot identify the will of God with an unrenewed mind. That's why it's almost fruitless to talk to somebody about spiritual things who don't have a renewed mind. You know, because you'll sit there and you'll argue all day. and You're just trying to prove a point. You're arguing. And they don't have renewed mind. The Bible says don't waste your time. The Bible tells you don't waste your time. So I used to get into these battles, you know. I'm, I, 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 I'm a defender of the faith. But you, 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 can't, you can't have but so, many, so much conversation with people who don't have a renewed mind, right? So what you got to pray is that God opened their mind, opened their eyes. How many people remember when you was not saved, you had scale on your eyes? I mean, there's people that try to tell you about Jesus when you wasn't saved. You just, did, nothing worked. But then there was a time where the scale f- fell off your eyes and you were able to see. Amen. I'm thankful for that day. Amen. And so watch this. He said that you cannot identify the will of God with, uh, with, with an unrenewed mind. For he is, two thing, he is three things. Good, his will is pleasing, and it is perfect. There's three things. We're going to talk about that later in the course. That his will is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. Man, that, that's, that can preach that by itself. That the will of God is good, it is what? Pleasing, and it is what? Perfect. Now, who would not want to be in the will of God? It's to be when it's good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. God's will. So anyone that is not in the will of God, obviously they are blind. Because who would not want to be in something that is good, that is pleasing, and that is perfect? I mean, does that make sense to you today? So the will of God is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. Look at this scripture real quickly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. We're talking about transformation, transformation. That this person means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. The old life is gone. Now, I always say this. I said, when you get saved, your hair color doesn't change. Your shoe size doesn't change. I wish when I got saved, I lost a couple of pounds. Although I was smaller when I got saved, it was when I met Ray that I got pounds. Ray put some pounds on me. I used to be thin and a lot thinner than this. But, you know, marriage kind of changed that a little bit. Uh, but, 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 again, when, when you find Christ, he says, and I love this, he says, uh, you belong to Christ, you become a new person. You become a new person. You become uh, to begin to walk and identify yourself in the will of God. And so who would not want to be in the will of God? Because what is the will of God? It is good. It is what? It is pleasing. And it is what? It is perfect. When you become part of Christ's family, you have entryway into the will of God. Outside of that, I don't care how good things were, you were not in something that was good, pleasing, and perfect. Because there is no peace outside the will of God. So when we talk about being transformed, we're talking about coming into the fullness of who God called you to be. And I always say this. I'm not going to be long. I want you to hear this. That God has the perfect plan for the perfect you. God has the perfect plan for the perfect you. Well, pastor, you know, I'm really happy right now. I don't care how happy you are, you have no idea what happiness is outside the will of God. You, you don't really don't know what happiness is until you get into the will of God. Why? Because he has the perfect plan for the perfect you. So let's look at a couple of things real quickly. I want to give you what I call the seven habits for spiritual health, which we're going to be looking at this week. You're going to be meditating on this this week. And so when we talk about the word habit, somebody say habits. Somebody say habits. So some things with spirituality, some people over-spiritualize Christianity. 
you know, it is a spiritual, it is a spiritual change. So I said your natural doesn't change, but your spirit man changes. You become new in Christ, but then there are some habits you have to develop. You have to, but now Christians like to be lazy sometimes, right? I'm just going to sit back and let God do all the work. I mean, that would be great, no? I mean, we just sat back, crossed our legs, and said, God, you do all the work. You go to work for me. You do, <laughs> you do everything for me. And that, that would be awesome. But that's not how it goes, right? There, there are habits that have to be developed in order to be a successful Christian, right? You got to get in the habit of praying, right? Nobody... Well, your flesh does not want you to feel like praying, right? Nobody likes fasting. Nobody, sometimes many of you say, well, I could have been home at 4 o'clock. I could have been kicking my feet up. Maybe the game's coming on. Maybe something's happened, right? But spiritual habits. So I, I, I want to encourage you today to develop spiritual, healthy habits. And we're going to look at seven spiritual, healthy habits, seven habits that help you become healthy spiritually. Because many people have bad spiritual habits. Prayerlessness is a bad spiritual habit, right? Not reading your word is a bad spiritual habit. So there are certain habits that are going to make you successful. I look at the definition of habit. It said an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it becomes almost voluntarily. In other words, it's a pattern of behavior that you're consistently doing until it just becomes a part of who you are. That's what a habit is. A habit. Somebody say a habit. So there aren't only bad habits, there are good habits. Amen? So habit number one for spiritual health is that I must love Jesus supremely. Sounds simple, but it's so profound. I must love Jesus supremely. We're talking about developing healthy spiritual habits. I must love Jesus supremely. The scripture I want to look at uh, that talks about that is in Luke chapter 11, verse 14. It says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, which speaks of passionately. All your too, soul, which speaks of willfully. And all your mind, which speaks of thoughtfully. And the last one, all of your strength, which means practically, you're living out everything it means to love him. So he says, this one thing God gives you, a commandment, to love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's a lot of love. Now, only a person that has given great love can demand this kind of love. Oh, man, come on. I mean, I mean. I, I can't ask Ray to love me like that, right? <laughs> because uh, uh, we're, we're imperfect people, right? Uh, but man, only Jesus, who gave his whole entire life for you, can demand such a great love. So sometimes you feel like, well, you know, I do go to church. Yeah, yeah, but we're not talking about going to church. We're talking about loving him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's loving him supremely. I always tell you the story, and I told you this before. I said when Ray and I, and I when I talk about love, I can't think of anybody else other than my beautiful wife, right? Uh, when we were, when we were uh, engaged, and there was a horrible snowstorm, I mean a bad snowstorm. We were living in New York, and I was living in Long Island, and she was living in Queens. If anybody know New York, Long Island and Queens are not, like, next to each other. She was, like, way in Queens. I was way in Long Island, and it was a horrible snowstorm. And what happened was... Uh, there was like, you, we're going to be snowed in. It's going to be a couple of feet of snow. 
and, you know, the city's going to be just totally, you're not going to be able to get around for a couple of days. And when I heard that, I was like, I can't be away for her, by, leave her by herself for days. So in the, in, against the advice of everybody, I got into my, I had a little beat-up Toyota, and I drove four or five miles an hour, and a 20-minute trip became a two-and-a-half-hour trip to go get someone that I loved. Come on. Y'all laughing at me, but you know you had your day, too, where you loved somebody, and you did something real stupid, crazy, whatever it was, you know, and you're like, man, I, I can't tell you how many times I slid all over the road. I can't tell how many cars I almost hit, but guess what? No matter what, I kept driving. I never turned around until I got to my destination. Why? Because that's what love does. I mean, and, and, and Jesus is saying, I need you to love me with all your hearts. I, all your heart. I mean, that you love no one more than me. With all of your soul, willfully. Not Pastor Andre beating you up to love Jesus. Willfully. I mean, it's horrible to feel like somebody loved you because they had to and not because they want to. He wants you to love him willfully, willfully. When he says your soul, willfully. He says your mind, that means thoughtfully. How many people when you remember when you first fell in love, you thought about that person all day. You heard a song in the mall, that's, that's our song, you know. You, it, it just, you know, no matter what, no matter where you was at, that's my song, you know. And to this day, you can hear an old school song. Oh, y'all, 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 I'm almost done. Come on. Don't get quiet on me. You know, even though you're happy where you are now, but you can hear a song that represented uh, your old boo, and all of a sudden you hear that song, and you're like, that was my that was Jesus, that's my mind. I mean, come on, you know it's true. Why? Why, why, why? why? Because when you talk about mind, loving all your mind thoughtfully, there are thoughts connected to your heart. Man, I remember the day I received the Holy Ghost. I remember the day I received Christ for the first time. Man. I remember there were, there, there were some worship sessions that I was in that was just amazing. And I loved on him and he loved on me. Man, it was amazing, right? Thoughts are connected to your heart. And all your strength, now that's what I love, practically live like you love him. Live like you love him. Can those who are around you say, man, they really love Jesus? Or do people not know you're saved? Right? Healthy habits. Love Jesus supremely. Number two, I must meet with him daily. We're talking about spiritual habits that create spiritual health, Right? I must meet with him daily. Now, write that word daily like nice and strong and put a circle around it, right? Not Sundays, right? Daily. Now, I wish I could bring the band home with me and Rob and Laura and park them in my living room so every morning I got to go have my prayer session, they were just there on cue. You know, just you walk in, boom, the band starts playing. I mean, anybody can have a great worship session if you have them sitting there, but I'm talking about every day when you go up and you have tired, you're sleepy, only love drives you to spend time with him every day. How do you love somebody you only speak to once a week? Man, y'all got quiet in that one. How, how do you love somebody if I only talk to you Sundays? Imagine you being in the same house with somebody you say you love and you only speak on Sundays. That's how our relationship is with God. Oh, we only talk when I need something. God, you know I'm in trouble. I know it's been a while. My voice is rasping. You haven't heard his voice in a long time. You know, that kind of thing. We only talk to him when we need something, right? That's unhealthy. 
Meet with him every day. Look at the scripture. We talk about meeting with him every day. In Proverbs 8 and 34, the one who listens to me, who carefully seeks me in everyday things. Man, I love that scripture. Everyday things and delays action until my way is apparent. You see that? You're not in a rush to do something. You say, I'm going to wait until you make the way clear. Man. That's depending on Jesus. Until what? Delay action until my way is apparent that one will find true happiness. So not following your own plan, not having your own ideas. I didn't, it was not my idea to start a church in Philly. That was not my idea. That was definitely God's idea. You know, I, I thought I'd be on the beach somewhere, living it up. No, no, that was not God's idea. That was not my idea. That was God's idea. But guess what? The one who listens to him, that one will find true happiness. But I can tell you, I've never been happier doing the will of God. Are you understanding what I'm telling you? I'd rather be doing this than having $10 million. Because what? I don't care. There are a lot of millionaires who are not happy because they're outside the will of God. It's about being in the will of God. The one who listens to me, who carefully seeks me in everyday things. Write that down. Everyday things things. Everyday things. When I get in the car, I'm on my way to work, God, what direction do you want me to go? Because maybe I need to avoid an accident. I'll never forget one day I was at Dunkin' Donuts and I was, uh, I hopped in, it was late at night, I hopped in the car and I was mad. This big old tractor trailer pulled in front of me and I'm beeping my horn and I'm wailing on my horn and I'm going off in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I'm beating my horn, man. Alex, I'm, I'm mad. I'm just, eh, eh, like, this guy got to move. And sure enough, by the time he moved, I'm like, you know, you dummy, move, out, move that truck out of the way. I get in the car. I'm on the back, the back streets going. I was living in New York at that time. And literally, literally, the time, the time I spent yelling at the trucker, there was a car that flew past the stop sign that just missed me because I was delayed. Divine intervention. Everyday things. <laughs> Seek him in everyday things, right? Not just big decisions, but everyday things. Somebody say everyday. Spend God, time with God every day. Number three, I must study and do his word. Now, you see there's two things, right? Study and what? And do. So we're not just saying study, but there must be Action, corresponding action. I love the scripture in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. It says, blessed, which means fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked following their advice and example, but his delight is in what? The law of the word and on his law, his precepts, his teachings. Does he habitually meditate day and night? It becomes a habit. So it's not enough just to hear the Word of God. you got to hear it and do the Word of God. We're talking about transformation. Part of transformation is creating good, healthy, spiritual habits. So today, I want you to do a self-examination of some bad spiritual habits. If these things sound like it, things you don't do, then these are habits, seven habits that I want you to start implementing out this week. Spending daily time with God. Studying and saying, what, what can I put into action this week? That, uh, that represents me walking in the will of God. What, what can I implement today? Look at the scripture uh, in, in James chapter 1, verse 22. But prove yourself doers, I like that, of the word, what? Actively, 
and continually obeying God's precepts. So you don't get saved today and everything's perfect tomorrow. Doesn't work like that. You don't get saved today and everything that was messed up on last week just turns around. No, no. He says coming into the will of God is active. It's, it's, it's constantly happening. You're constantly being pushed into the presence of God. Not merely listeners. Man, we have a lot of those in the church. Who hear the word but fail to what? I love that. What? Internalize its meaning. Somebody preaching. Yep, that's her over there. So-and-so, that's, that, that's brother so-and-so. What were we just talking about them? No, 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 no. He says, when you hear the word, he says, internalize it. Man, that's me. I didn't pray this morning like I should. That's me. Yep, that's, that, that's me. Wouldn't would it be great, everybody? That's me, pastor. That's me. I mean, we need one of those services. Uh, that's me, pastor service, right? Because not just, man, that's so-and-so. I was just telling him about, wasn't we just talking about him the other day? I mean, we, 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 we're pros at doing that, right? Never internalizing it, right? Deluding yourselves by unsound reason and contrary to the truth. You're justifying your own actions. He said, no, no, don't do that. Don't just be a hearer, but be a doer of the word of God. God will always challenge you after every word you hear from him. There will always be a challenge of action. A challenge of action. A challenge of action. Number four, you're almost there. I must tithe my income. This is where the church gets real quiet, right here. It's where everybody gets, I'm going to fall asleep right now. Watch this. We're going to talk about financial health, right, later on in the series, right? Tithing is biblical. Why? Because the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And you can always tell an offer time where people's heart is, right? It's important that you do that. Tithing is a kingdom principle. And he said in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithes. I love that word whole. You know, we, peace, we peace our tithes and our giving, right? We peace it. I'm going to give God a little bit today. I'll give him a little bit tomorrow. But try that, try that with your mortgage. You, <laughs> try, try, try to, <laughs> God's the only person we try that with, right? But try with some of your other bills. You're going to have a big problem. Uh, but the whole tithe, the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, God's saying, test me of this. He says, I dare you to put me to the test of giving. Ray and I are consistent tithers. Consistent. We don't miss not one opportunity to give 10% and then some of what God brings through our hands. We are consistent tithers, and then we give above that. There was a season, I told you years ago, where we hit a tight spot, and we tried to stop tithing. Boy, things got ugly real quick. I thought they were ugly, but I didn't know how good they were until I stopped tithing. Then I realized, oh, no, oh that system's not working. Let me go back to what I know works. And that was probably like, uh, I think, 14 years ago, and we haven't stopped tithing since. Consistently. He says, when you do that, he says what? And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Man, that's some good stuff right there. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Of heaven. And pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Man, that's good stuff. He says, when you release the tithes, I'll throw open heaven and pour you out a blessing so big that you won't have enough room to store it. You're going to be so blessed. You're going to be giving cars and houses away and giving stuff away because you're just so blessed. Amen. All right, I'm going to leave that alone right there. We're going to hit that financial hard. Don't worry, we're going to hit it hard. I'm telling you, we're going to hit that one hard. Number five, I must learn to love other believers. Sounds simple, but man, it's not happening all the time. I must learn to love 
other believers. One thing I love about RCC that this is a church that we want to look like heaven. No matter what color you are, no matter what age you are, no matter what. We want this house to represent what heaven is going to look like. Amen? Must learn to love other believers. I love this scripture right here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. He says, if anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a what? A liar. I didn't call you a liar. The Bible said it. <laughs> he said, you're a liar. If you say, oh, I love the Lord, but I can't stand her. He said, you're lying. Because you can't love me and hate her. That's a bad, unhealthy spiritual habit. He says, uh, uh, if, if he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God that he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes what? Loving people. Man, that's good. And as Mother Bev says, love is RCC's brand. Loving God is loving people. Come on, say that. Loving God is loving people. If you can't love people, you can't love God. If you can't love people, you can't love God. Loving God is loving people. Got to love each other. You've got to love both. How can you love God who you can't see? And I can't love the sister or my brother who I do see. Because loving God is loving people. Man. All people. Everybody. <laughs> she said, all people? Everybody. Even the ones that get under your skin, you got to love them. Because one day, guess what? We, we were messed up in sin and all messed up, but he still loved us. And watch this. That, that's that. See, but at least you can say, mm, it is hurting. Just say, mm, that's right. Just, mm, let it hit you, right? Because loving God is loving people. Right? Number six, we're almost there. I must serve others, here's that word, unselfishly. Serve others unselfishly. When's the last time you served somebody other than yourself? When's the last time you served? I'm not talking about the job you get paid for. Well, at my job, this is what I, no, I ain't talking about that. <laughs> I got souls or a couple. No, I'm talking about when have you served others unselfishly? Look at the scripture. I love the scripture. Mark 10 and 45. For even the Son of Man came not to have service rendered to him, but to what? Serve. And to give his life as a ransom for or instead of many. Jesus didn't come to be served. Anybody, if anybody had the right to come and be served, Jesus did. I mean, this is the Son of God. The Bible says he left heaven, made himself of no reputation, came. He could have been served. He could have came down here and, uh, I mean, immediately had servants, you know, like coming to America. Just, just have everybody throwing out leaves while he's born. I mean, Jesus had the rights. Right? They're all like, y'all didn't see coming to America. Uh, uh, right? Right? When, when, when Eddie Murphy's father was coming to America, he had all the singers and the limousines. I mean, I mean you know, li having lived in New York, I mean, I remember one time I was in Manhattan and President Obama came to Manhattan. I mean, when this guy rolled in Manhattan, the whole city stops. I was in dead smack midtown. And uh, at that time I was at, um, I was taking some extra classes at NYU. And man, when he came in, you couldn't cross the street. You could, I mean, you had like 15 black Jeeps rolling, guys jumping out with the earpieces, rifles out, and you just stood like you were scared to move. Because you're like, if I even scratch my nose, they may just, you know... <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen if I do anything. But, 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 but when he showed up, 
right? I, I mean, he, he's the president of the United States. Everything adjusts us to who he is. Jesus could have did the same thing. He could have showed up and made it, but he came to serve. Made himself of no reputation. I mean, what an awesome example of what it is to be a Christian. Not trying to say, do you know who I am? I'm pastor so-and-so and I'm doctor. Who cares? Who cares what your title is? Because when you get to heaven and he calls your name, he's not going to say, Apostle Andre Jones, come up. No. I mean, who cares? He's not going to give your title. He says, your works is your title. Your works is going to speak for you. Who did you serve unselfishly? Who did you help unselfishly? Who did you give unselfishly? So I want to be like Jesus, and I want to not come to be served, but I want to come to serve. And he gave the ultimate sacrifice. Before we hit number seven, what's so powerful about Jesus is that he was born in the Roman times, and the Romans were masters at crucifying people. I mean, if you ever read history, nobody crucified better than the Romans. They were professional torturers. Professional torturers. And, and if you really understand what happened when Christ paid the price instead of us, man, all the penalty, the depths of his suffering was symbolic of the depth of sin of humanity. I'll say it again. The depths of his suffering was symbolic of the depths of sin of humanity. And so back in Roman times, just to show you, that they would line up a bunch of criminals. They would line up 30 to 40 criminals back in Roman times, and they would have a big cup of poison. And they would give the, first, the cup to the first person at the beginning of the line, and that person at the beginning had a choice. He could either take his little portion and die easily, or he can drink the portion for everybody in the line. Of course the person would take this up and pass it on, but Jesus drunk your portion. So you wouldn't have to drink what was due you. Man, how do we not love him? How do we not love him when he took my penalty and he paid my price? Oh man, that's... Number seven, the last one. And then we're going to pray. I must pass on the good news. We're talking about spiritual health. I must pass on the good news. Matthew 9 and 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and what? Proclaiming the good news, which is what? The gospel of the kingdom, and curing all kinds of diseases and every weakness and infirmity. You must tell somebody about Jesus. You must let people know about Jesus. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed to let people know because what? It's unhealthy to be embarrassed about the one that saved you. It's unhealthy to be embarrassed. He says part of being spiritually healthy is passing on the good news. Man, if I had the solution of every issue in the world, why wouldn't I want to tell everybody? So this week, I want you to put, as the band just kind of comes, I want you to put these spiritual habits into play. That remember, God's will is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. And this series is going to push you into the will of God.
By the time we end up, you're going to be in the will of God. Oh, come on. I thought you'd be a little bit happy to that. I, and sometimes, watch this, and sometimes for you to be in the will of God, he has to interrupt your will. He has to step on your will. Yeah, oh, that hurt. I know. Uh, uh, he has to mess up your will because we got our plan, but God's saying, I know you got your plan, but that's not my plan. I, 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 know, I know you got your layout and your map, but that's not, that's not what I'm telling you to do. If you want to be in my will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect, I'm going to have to mess up some of your will. Oh, man. I'm going to have to turn some things upside down because that may seem good to you, but it's not good, pleasing, and perfect. I want you in the perfect will of God. So watch this. This week, I want you to implement these seven spiritual habits that are going to begin to transform you spiritually because we can't talk about physical uh, or mental uh, health or, or, or financial health if your spirit's messed up. Who cares if you're financially successful and your spirit's messed up and you have no relationship with God and you don't know how to love God supremely, to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Man, that's a lot of love. But only someone who has given more can ask you for that kind of love. I want you to put your Bibles down and stand to your feet real quick. Today, what God wants to do for you is beyond a one-time thing that can be done in a service. I'm talking about something that is bigger than you, something that is larger than what you can imagine. Each of these services are going to give you actionable steps that will impact you. But you got to get on the journey first. You got to be selfless. You got to put you on the back burner and say, God, it's not about me. It's about you. For you created me. And if he created you, he created you for his purpose and his will. I don't go to the store, well, I try not to go to the store and buy something that I don't need. When I go to the store, I try to buy something that I can use. Come on. When God brought you into the earth, he brought you in, not because he couldn't use you, because he had use for you. That's why he created you. And this journey that we call life is about figuring out, God, what is your plan for me? Man, oh, Pastor, I'm young. I don't have to worry about that. Man, time flies. Don't wait till you're later and your later years you realize, man, I wasted so much time clowning that I don't even know what my purpose is now. I, I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do, man. I wasted my 20s and my 30s just clowning around, and now I'm clueless on what. Now I'm trying to find the will. Don't waste time looking too late. Now is the time to start. God, what, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to do? How are you stretching me? But God, if you stretch me, I know that the picture may look blur for a moment. But if you keep pulling on me, everything's going to be pulled into focus. Some of you feel like God is pulling on you in all these different areas, and he's pulling on you in your personal life, and 
pulling on you in your relationships and pulling on you at work. And God, what are you doing? God says, I know it's painful, but I'm pulling you into focus. Gosh. I'm stretching you in to focus because right now in the state that you're in, it's not clear. I know you think it's clear, but it's not clear. But when I get finished with you, everything that I called you to do, it's going to be clear. Everything that I called you to do, it's going to be clear. I'm pulling you into purpose. I'm pulling you into focus. I'm pulling you into focus. God, it hurts. I know, but I'm pulling you in the focus. God, I don't want them to lead my life. I know, I know, I know, but just trust me. I'm pulling you in the focus. But God, we've been friends for years. And God, I, I, I know, I know, I know. But I'm pulling you in the focus. I'm, I'm, I'm making you good, pleasing, and perfect. I'm bringing you into that place. And so for a couple of seconds, I just want you to bow your heads and just begin to ask God, pull me into your will. I, I, I don't want to be outside your will anymore. Man, I'm tired of fighting your will. Pull me into your presence. Give me the strength to implement good spiritual habits so that I can be the best me that you called me to be. That I can do the assignment that you called me to do.